And hear this scripture as well from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or a sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Forgive me if you remember the illustration I am about to use. I have used it before. I will continue to use it. It is my way of setting up my heart to receive the message of the scripture I have just read for you. Scripture, you see, comes alive for me, and this is something I, I wish I could instill in every confirmant. Scripture comes alive for me when I can attach it, associate that scripture with an experience in my life. That's why I tell these stories all the time. So, it's going to be hard for you to imagine this, you confirmants there, but there was a day before electronic LED billboards, okay? Those billboards have changed so fast, you hardly have time to read what they say before they're on to the next thing because it costs a lot of money for seven seconds on those billboards. 
Before the days of those electronic billboards, hard to imagine, I, I know, but people, ordinary people, used to make roadside signs out of white painted rocks. They would look for a hillside that faced a country road, they would mow down the grass, and they would paint a bunch of rocks, and then they would spell out a message on the side of the hill. I used to love to watch for those signs. Now sometimes they were mundane, not quite as bad as, well you won't even know what I'm talking about, Burma shave. <laughs> you, want, you have no idea what that is. Sometimes they, they aspired to a more profound message. And as a kid, I loved, I loved to find these homemade advertising wonders. Maybe I thought that they were formations made by people in the dead of night with some secret message to give to the world. My childish imagination would run that way. Perhaps I thought as a child that they were somehow spontaneous geological formations, a message from God spelled out in rocks, because I never saw people putting them in place. But nevertheless, I loved finding these roadside signs made out of white painted rocks on the side of a hill. There was one formation that I was especially fond of. It graced a hillside along a country road near Mesick, Michigan. My family had a lot of connections in Mesick, Michigan. It's in Wexford County along M115. And that hillside sign said, God is love. And that's the connection with the scripture I read for you. That hillside message illustrates the challenge that every pastor faces when called upon to preach on this well-known text from 1 John, declaring that God is love. Declaring that God is love is both profound and in danger of being trivialized. It is as solid as the white painted rocks on that hillside message near Mesick and as trite as the presumption that the nature of God can in fact be captured as a drive-by moment. The problem does not lie in the scripture nor in the nature of God. The problem lies in our relentless human tendency to reduce a profound holy mystery to a soundbite that we can embrace without asking just what it might demand of us. God is love can be engraved on the inside of a ring and worn on your fingers so that no one ever looks at it. It can be, this is true now, it can be microscopically carved on a grain of rice. And you can buy it that way. We can print it on a ribboned plastic strip and use it to mark our place in our favorite book. Now, there is nothing wrong with any of these things. There is nothing wrong with those white painted rocks on that hillside near Mesick. But I have to think that the writer of 1 John 
had none of these things in mind when he wrote, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Whoever loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. See, sometimes I think in confirmation, we regard confirmands as empty vessels. We unscrew the top of their head and we pour in all of this knowledge. And then we put the top back on and there you are ready to go out in the world. But that's not what confirmation is about at all. We can't give you all there is to know about God. What we can ignite in you is a burning desire to know more. That's what I want for you. 1 John, the passage I read to you, echoes the mandatum novum found in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John where it says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now I don't know if you remember that moment at the fireball up at Lake Louise when I looked at you and I said, it is not my worry that you think the right thoughts about God. What I hope you gain from confirmation is a sense that you belong at the table of God. That's what I want for you. I want a love that is engraved upon the heart rather than worn on a, cha on a chain around your neck. This is love that will not tolerate injustice heaped upon the poor. This is love that that told the story of the Good Samaritan or the woman at the well and declared that compassion matters more to God than ritual purity. This is love woven deep into the fabric of, he of Hebrew scripture and then obscured by centuries of legal overburden. This is love that took the form of a servant and remained obedient even unto death upon a cross. This is love that will not let us go. This is love so amazing, so divine, it demands my life, my soul, my all. Deep down, Christians remember that love is not what supports our interest and makes us feel good or makes us feel better adjusted. Love is what God, through Jesus Christ, has given the church to know about God and to communicate to others. This is your assignment. This is our assignment. The New Interpreter's Bible tells us that the most astonishing thing about this scripture from 1 John is that it exists at all given the opposition and the hatred directed toward Christianity in the ancient world. 
one way to understand the crucifixion is to remember that love as Jesus lived it posed a profound threat to the political and religious status quo of the day. If God is love, as 1 John declares, and if Jesus is the incarnation of that God in this world, the crucifixion then stands as the futile effort of human sin to stamp out love and maintain the rule of power and hate. It's as stark as that. Now we no longer nail people to a cross, at least not in a literal way. Yet love, deep love, courageous love, remains a threat in a world founded upon power and hate. We no longer crucify, but now we trivialize. Deep down, Inside, you know of what I speak. We are all familiar with love made insipid by bromides and pablum peddled in popular culture. Precious moment angels, as cute and as heartwarming as they may be, cannot and do not convey the deep, challenging love to which Jesus directs our hearts. This is bigger than you ever imagined. If we are to be the body of Christ in this world, we must make love visible in the way that we live by loving those we would rather ignore and refusing to accept the countless invitations we receive every day to engage in hatred. Those invitations come all the time. So today is Confirmation Sunday. It is a great day to look deeply into this issue of love. And to come to a more faithful understanding of the demands that it places upon us. This is the core of the gospel. This is home base for all Christians, no matter how we may differ on other theological details, this is what Jesus identified as the greatest commandment. It is the oft-repeated message of the Gospels. It is how we shall be known in the world. I give you, Jesus said, a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And elsewhere we sing, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? 
or thorns compose so rich a crown were the whole realm of nature mine. That would be an offering far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thanks be to God.